Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your homes today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Those who are able, please stand. We are called to worship by the words of the psalmist from the 111th Psalm. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. He sent redemption to his people he has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Let us worship God with our hymn of praise on your insert. O Lord, you are my God and King.
Scripture tells us that if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And Scripture goes on to say, yet if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, with candor, humility, and awe, let us approach the throne of grace and confess our sins, seeking God's mercy and forgiveness. Let us pray together. God of mercy, you sent Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive our sin. Return us to paths of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. crucified, the risen, and the living one, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and bore in his body on the cross all our sins, putting those sins to death. And that at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we too are raised to a new way of life, freed and forgiven. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. coming down, I have to tell you, I was reading through the scriptures this week, and it reminded me of a game show that I used to watch all the time. In fact, this show's been on for more than 50 years, and it's called The Price is Right. Have any of you ever heard of that show? Oh, have any of you ever heard of that show? Okay. <laughs> well, on the show, since you guys didn't get to watch it as much as I tried to when I was younger, 
on the snow can instantly show something that they were could buy, okay, or that they had bought for something, and they had to guess the price of it. They had to guess the value. So I went out and I bought something I thought you might be interested in. And I put the price on the back, which you can't see. And I decided that today would be a perfect morning to play the price is right. So here's how this is going to work. If you think that this package of cookies costs more than $4, raise your hand. Okay. No. So I need you to be my first person out, okay? If you think this costs less than $2, raise your hand. You guys do know you have to put your hands up at some point in time, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. It costs more than $2. How many of you think it costs more than $3? You're right. It does cost, it did cost more than $3. So let's do it this way. I'm going to name some prices, and if you think I call out the right price, you raise your hand when you hear the right price, okay? $3.49. Nope, you're out. $3.59. $3.69. Oh, Jessica's the winner. Okay, Jessica, at the end of Children's Church, you can help pass out cookies to everybody, okay? All right, so why are we playing prices Right in the middle of church? Well, you know, I've got a story to tell you. Jesus told a story about a man who found a treasure in a field. And he was so excited about finding this treasure that he ran out and he sold everything that he had and he went and he bought the field so he could have the treasure. And then Jesus told another story about a man who was searching for pearls. And he found the perfect pearl. And he was so happy that he went out, sold everything that he had just to buy that one pearl. Right. Well, now, this is just $3.69. Why make up too much for a little package of cookies? Okay. Do you think you could buy some of these cookies or kind of the same type cookies for cheaper? But these might really be worth it to you. Their value might be really worth it to you, right? No, not, not free, sorry. <laughs> well, that's the same way it is. See, Jesus didn't want us to go out and buy chocolate chip cookies. But there's something more important that he asked us to give up everything for. He asked us to give up everything for the kingdom of heaven. Everything that we have for the kingdom of heaven. Do you think that's too high of a price? Not for the kingdom of heaven, is it? In fact, I think <coughs> the price is right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please be with us. Help us to remember the value of you and of your kingdom. And watch over us this week as we play and learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Our first reading is from the Old Testament, from the book, the Wisdom Proverbs. I'll be reading from the second chapter, the first five verses. Listen to God's word. My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Please stand for our second lesson. It comes from Matthew's Gospel in the 13th chapter. Listen now to the Word of God. 
The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? And they answered Jesus, yes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Picture with me a family Christmas in the late 90s. It is hosted by my sister and brother-in-law. And at this point in their lives, they live outside of Rayford, North Carolina, which is about 30 miles from Fayetteville, North Carolina, to give a, a reference point. The church had a large manse. My brother-in-law served as a church in the country, and the manse was built probably after the First World War and built to house a large family. And that was great because they hosted my brother-in-law's parents, his grandmother, his sister and her husband, my mother and me, and we all slept comfortably. Plus, you had my nephew Tripp there, and as the only child, grandchild, nephew, he was quite the star attraction. But it's Christmas morning, and we are opening our gifts, and it was time for my brother-in-law's mother to open hers. She had a rather large item, takes, up, takes off the wrapping, and sees that it is a suitcase. And she was pleased with that. It was appropriate. It was appreciated. Uh, she had been working as a para-pro. She was going to retire at the end of that school year and do a little bit of traveling um, on her own, um, having a daughter and family in Texas, looking forward to seeing them more. And so it, just, it, it was a good gift. Her husband did well with that. As she was talking to us and admiring it, she said, you know, the last time my husband got me some luggage, we were dating, and that's where he hid the ring. All of a sudden, freeze. She looks his way. Flash. She sees the twinkle in his eye. A flurry of activity as she tears open, unzips it, and pulls out all kinds of paper that he had stuffed in there. And back in the corner, found a little ring box and a nice diamond ring. An appropriate gift, surprised by joy. They've been married for over 30 years in a way of just celebrating that new stage of their life and uh, a great, special, you know, warm, sappy moment that we had with hugs and kisses to follow. As I read these parables, and they went over and over in my mind, that memory from, I want to guess, Christmas 98 or 99 came, came back to me. For in these stories, we see people who are surprised by joy, at least our first two. 
So I want to review our three short parables, and really I'm going to focus on the first two. I have a few observations to make, and then asking myself, what does it matter for us today? We begin with someone finding a treasure in a field. Actually, it's not as specific as I would like it to be. Assumption is that this is a tenant farmer. He is working the land. That's his job. He's doing, he's going about his business, doing what he knows to do. And in the midst of that, he comes across some great treasure. For the moment, he hides it. And that is safe and sensible and smart and prudent in this instance to do. We don't know who might be watching. Somebody else may be stumbling through that field. So he keeps it well hidden. And then gets all the resources, all the financial resources that he has together. And he buys the field outright. And the treasure that he has found with great joy, that treasure is his. The second person is a merchant. The merchant is on a quest for the best pearls. That is his specialty. And I imagine a well-trained buyer and salesman of fine pearls. He assesses those pearls with a trained eye. He will only show off the top of the line for his product. He assesses them. Any pearl that is second rate, he quickly pushes aside. Only the best will do for his market. I can see this meticulous, discerning, discriminating merchant in action. And then he finds the big one. This pearl is not just great, first-rate quality, a merchandise that will fetch a big price. No, this is a work of art to a man who knows. And this man of the market sells his inventory, all of it, to get this pearl of great price. With great joy, he invests in that pearl. Our next short parable also comes from everyday life, an image, a scene that would have registered with anyone who had heard it at that time. We have fishermen going out and catching fish. And whether there were two boats and there was a net in between them and they brought the nets in and just hauled in the fish that way, or from the shore, a fisherman cast a net and brought it back in, however which way they do it, these nets have dragged in fish and they're just sorting their catch. The good fish will go into the box, into the buckets. From there, they will go to market. The bad fish, just throw them back into the water. Now that's, again, very common Everybody would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. Now, he plays a little bit with this image, stretches it a bit, because then he talks about the end of the age and uh, where, the, uh, fit, where the, the bad ones get thrown into the fire. Now, it's a little bit odd because bad fish actually just go back to the sea. You don't bother to, to burn them. And the angels who are doing the sorting, they've never been doing any fishing. So he does mix it up a little bit. But the point is that there will be good mixed with bad and God will sort it out in the end. We don't have to worry about that. What what stands out about these stories? One for me is that God's kingdom comes to us by God's grace. The kingdom comes with great joy and it comes with purpose. The kingdom comes to us by God's grace, God's sovereign love in action. 
the farmer is working, going about his business, doing his job. He's not looking for anything, but then he is surprised with great joy when he finds that great treasure. The pearl merchant is seeking, but he is just simply seeking first-rate pearls. That is his job. Uh, it's his craft. He does it deliberately. But he too is surprised, even though he is seeking, when he finds a pearl like no other, surprised by a great treasure. God's grace, though initiated in a way initiates towards us, we see this, these prizes came to them when they were not um, necessarily looking for them. But they were surprised nevertheless. I think of someone who was surprised with kingdom joy by a kingdom relationship. I think of Melinda, that's what I'll call her, who told me that for several years she had been seeking God. She had been active in church, a good church worker. And then one day she attended a junior league luncheon in Charlotte. And she heard a speaker. And as the speaker presented, she said, Aha, that's it. What she's got, that is what I want. That's it. With great joy, she discovered a relationship with Jesus Christ, a kingdom relationship. She discovered the kingdom through that. For some in the kingdom, it's also discovering a special mission. I think of Tanya. She had a neighbor, and the neighbor got sick, sick with cancer. Now, Tanya was a good ex-organizer. She's somebody you want on your planning team, the kind of person who is ahead of schedule, under budget, and over target in whatever she does. So it was kind of normal for her to begin organizing this situation. There were people who needed to bring in meals. Uh, there were people who needed to run errands. There were people who needed to give respite care, and she was putting it all together. And even though it was a sorrowful, challenging situation, there was a bit of joy that she felt about doing it. It was not a burden to her at all. And a friend pulled her aside afterwards and said, you really do this well. And about something about you as you undertake these tasks. And from that conversation led to other conversations, and Tanya became a volunteer with hospice in her hometown and did that for many years. Even though it was bittersweet, there was, a, there was joy in what she did helping others using her gift in that way, a special mission she discovered. Well, then there's Tim. Tim loved baseball. He played Little League, he played in high school, he played in college, and even into his early 20s, he's out there playing uh, with the other 20-something guys on a, a rec league. But finally, there came that time when he had to hang up his cleats, and he was a bit depressed. A friend who was a little older than him said, well, my son has started out Little League, and I've got a coach. Could you help me? And Tim said, sure. I've, I've got the time. I'd like to do that. And as he coached over a while, he realized, this, this comes easy. This is fun. And not just teaching the skills over time, but also building into the character of these young boys chance to give life lessons. Some of them had you know, fathers at home and some of them did not. An opportunity to invest with them and realizing, um, I, I like this. 
and realized a special kingdom mission uh, purpose, I should say, kingdom purpose of mentoring. Because they saw, noticed, began to notice over time at work, he was uh, first with some guys about his peers and kind of coming alongside as a buddy, encouraging them. And then they're getting a little bit older, and he found himself sort of being like the big brother. And then a little bit older, and he became sort of the sage uh, in the workplace, the one who could um, maybe think more of a classic mentoring relationship with those, those younger than him. And this theme of mentoring kind of was the purpose uh, for, for the rest of his life. A few times he did some tours of duty in Sunday school. Again, a way that he could mentor and encourage invest in that younger group of of children. God's grace surprised him, all three, in ways just by accident, doing what they knew to do. In the case of Tim working with baseball, Tanya helping a friend, Melinda going to a luncheon that was part of her life, for the merchant going about his business looking for fine pearls, a farmer going about his business, tilling the field. They faithfully did what they knew to do, knew to do, and they discovered, by God's grace, a great treasure. As I've mulled over these passages these last several days, the one thing that stood out to me, too, is the great joy that these people in our, in our scriptures experienced with the kingdom of God, discovering it, discovering what it meant to them. A great joy, not happiness, but joy. And there is a difference. Now, sometimes you can have joy and happiness at the same time. Tom Dort has graciously played the opening hymn. I love that hymn. It's in our blue hymnal, and he has played it. The anthem for this service is at my request. And I appreciate that. But at 8.45, I made the joyful, happy discovery about that anthem is another one of my favorites. I didn't expect it until I opened the bulletin. Wow, I get to hear that one too. So I had happiness and joy uh, at hearing the, the choir sing at 8.45 and at 11 o'clock, hearing these that, that, are, that are pleasant to me. But joy is much deeper than happiness Happiness is dependent on um, external events, external feelings. You win the lottery, you are feeling happy. It is momentary. Outward expression of elation is another description. Another definition, happiness is an emotion in which one experiences feelings ranging from contentment and satisfaction to bliss and intense pleasure. But on the other hand, joy is the emotion of great or calm delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying, keen pleasure and elation. And it is inward. While happiness is based on what is outward, inward sources cause joy, such as God's abiding presence. While happiness is the outward expression of elation, joy is that inward peace and contentment. Happiness is but for a moment Joy is always. Joy can be found even in times of trial and temptation. Happiness is described as an adjective. Joy is described as a noun. It exists. 
as one person shared, normally happiness is based on our circumstances, and I'm quoting here, circumstances determine whether we're going to be happy or not. And yet joy points us in a totally different direction. Joy points to the fact that we need God. Because of God and because of His promises and because of His blessings, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what events are going on in our life, we can have a deep confidence and assurance and a joy that otherwise would not be possible. Another person said, I wake up focusing on all the blessings I have in my life, being thankful for something new each day. And that person talking about a feeling, being trying to be joyful in a time of challenge. I remember back in a tough chapter in my life and somebody asking me, well, are you happy? Now, the real answer to that specific question would be, no, I am not happy. I am miserable. But I chose not to give that kind of answer. I phrased my answer accurately and diplomatically this way. Well, right now, I said, I'm looking for joy. Joy that is beyond circumstances. Joy even in this season of transition. And the joy will last. And I can say right now, I have joy. End of sentence. Let's change the topic. And I did. Joy, even in the circumstances. Now, as I worked to wrap up this message, I must admit I found it very hard to find a neat little conclusion. No great story like I opened uh, describing the, um, the, the Christmas present. But I'm left with this point, and this point I want to camp on for these last few minutes, that the kingdom is about joy. It is about joy. Discovered by surprise in terms of relationships and mission and purpose, but it's about joy. We cultivate our joy. I thought, well, to myself, well, how do I cultivate that? From the same old disciplines of scripture reading, and with that, possibly even uh, devotions, something along that line, regular prayer, fellowship with other believers, and service in different ways. And through these actions, we can find joy, and it can grow. The kingdom is about joy. And so I leave you with the point that I'm leaving myself. It's simply to pray, Lord, what is the joy in the kingdom? What is that joy that can be found, experienced now? And that is my prayer for all of you here, is that in these weeks and months ahead, that you find or experience deeply, more deeply, the joy that is in God's kingdom. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith with these words.
Nehemiah, the one who orchestrated the rebuilding of the walls, told the people of God, reminded them that the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we find joy in the Lord, we find strength in prayer, we find strength in community, and we particularly find joy and strength when we pray as a community. And so now it is our joy and our privilege to lift up our prayers as a community to God Almighty, the one who hears and answers our prayers. So as I lead us in these prayers of the people, let your hearts be in prayer with me, not only the words from my mouth, but the prayers from your hearts that we may lift them to the Lord. Let us pray together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You surround us with the beauty of your awesome creation. You send us the sun by day to illumine our paths. You spread the canopy of the night sky, full of moon and silent stars to watch over us like sentinels while we sleep. Constantly, persistently, Gently and powerfully, in ways both large and small, you are reminding us of your love that is higher than the heavens, your grace that is wider than the oceans, your compassion and mercy that is deeper than the darkest valleys. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It is our greatest joy and our deepest peace to know you, to love you, and to serve you. In the week just past, we have discovered that once again, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And there is so much in this world and in our lives that makes us restless and distracted. Economically, politically, culturally, we feel the ground shifting beneath our feet. Steady us by your spirit. And remind us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you are with us, and we can rest in you. There are matters with jobs, with family, with loved ones that have consumed us. Give us a steady supply of your spirit, reminding us that you are ever-present that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can rest in you. There are health concerns upon our minds and our hearts, health concerns that involve our own bodies and recent diagnoses, health concerns that involve the welfare of friends and family and loved ones that have rocked our worlds in the week just past. By your spirit, steady us and remind us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come what may, you are with us and we can rest in you. Some of us loving God are still on a journey that is called grief. And we do not see an end in sight or a destination ahead. But teach us in these days to come the truth of your word that says weeping may endure for the night, 
but joy does come in the morning. Lead us to that morning of joy as you steady us by your Spirit, reminding us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you are with us, and we can rest in you. In this week to come, bless those who travel for pleasure or for business, and bless with safety and joy the celebrations of our independence and freedom as Americans, as we remember those who had vision for our country and her foundations in you, and those who even this day sacrificed to maintain and preserve those freedoms that we enjoy. By your grace, we are free, free in Jesus Christ, and we humbly pray that you would continue to shed your grace on our country and bless America as she seeks to be a blessing to all her citizens, to all nations, and to all people. Loving God, rule in your sovereignty in ways that we can see you and better understand you. Comfort in your mercy. Heal in your power. Guide by your grace and comfort by your presence as you steady us by your spirit in the week to come. Reminding us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you are with us come what may and we can rest in you. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And it is our greatest joy to know you to love you and to serve you in the manner of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Again, we welcome those who are in our sanctuary worshiping with us on uh, this June 30th, and we also send out a word of welcome to those who are worshiping with us, either via our live stream or through our television ministry. It is our joy to have you with us in this way. I want to say a word to those who are in the sanctuary. If you haven't already signed the pad in the pew, do that so that we can have a record of your visit and greet those around you by name. Uh, look for a new face, look for an old friend, and make sure that you, uh, you greet each other uh, at least before you leave this place today. Someone might need an encouraging word, a pat on the back, or a hug around the neck. We're glad that you're with us. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to become part of this family of faith as we, as we serve Jesus Christ through the Presbyterian Church USA. We have recently received new members at our stated meeting of the session, and they will be recognized later, but we also received new members this morning at a called session meeting, and before the service is over, you will get to see and meet and celebrate the membership of Andrea and Andy Heath. And they have a little two-year-old daughter, Heidi, 
And also uh, joining this morning is Lindsay Sellers. And Lindsay uh, is following the lead of her family. Uh, she is a college student and couldn't join at the time that they did, but she has joined us this morning and will recognize her as well at the end of the worship service. Next week, we'll, we will celebrate the Sacrament of Communion and want to remind you that we make that sacrament available to those who cannot be in our sanctuary to receive it. We will take through our elders and our deacons the sacrament to those who may be in their homes, in their, fam, uh, in their uh, hospital rooms, wherever they may be. If you know of someone that would benefit and enjoy receiving the sacrament, please let the church know and we will facilitate that. On July 10th, we are excited to have Paul Huff with us. This is our reunion family night supper on Wednesday, July 10th. Paul Huff is a professor at Columbia Seminary. He teaches worship and music, and he is going to come and speak to us about a project that he has been involved with, with many others, as they are developing a new hymnal for the Presbyterian Church. I think he's going to bring some samples of what may be in that new hymnal. So come, enjoy the food and the fellowship, and listen to Dr. Huff. Our youth are getting ready for a mission trip to Chattanooga that is becoming an annual event in their ministry. We pray for them as they prepare to go and serve. In the pews, there should be a little bookmark on a class for married couples that is being offered by the Pastoral Institute on July 12th and 13th. Uh, Take those with you, and if you know of someone that you think might benefit, you might uh, appropriately share that with uh, um, friends or family. And then finally, uh, you have heard and will continue to hear about an exciting study that our church is embarking on come September. We are going to be engaged in a study called The Story, which is scripture uh, chronologically presented in 31 weeks. It will be the theme of our preaching for the school year 2013-14. It will be the curriculum base for all of our uh, Sunday school classes, children, youth, and adults. This is a great opportunity this fall to hook into one of those learning opportunities as we uh, study God's Word, finding our story in His story. The rest of the announcements are there for your attention, and we continue our worship. With joy, we present our tithes and our offerings.
It is our joy to sing praise to you, loving God, for from you all blessings flow. And here is our thank you. The opportunity through these gifts to acknowledge our gratitude and our understanding that every gift that we have received is from your gracious hand. So receive our gratitude, receive our thanks. Receive these offerings and do with them far more than we could imagine or think in this time and this place for the work of your kingdom here and eternally. And loving God, we also present ourselves to you that you would use us for your glory, for the work of your kingdom, and for Christ's sake, who gave his all for us. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Before the charge and benediction, I'd like to invite Lindsay Sellers to come down, please, and Andrew and Andrea Heath. It was said we were received as new members at our call session meeting this morning, and following everything, you'll be down front with Reverend Hasty. You can shake their hand, introduce yourselves to them. But as we ask of all new members, first is, who is your Lord and Savior? a little nervous, and also uh, with God's help, would you endeavor to be a faithful disciple of his, uh, of his son, will you? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And what does God require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God? And now may the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, both now and forevermore. Amen.